Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Tonight on Huckabee, New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith remembering George Jones with his wife Nancy, 9-11 first responder Eric Robertson, and the music of Daryl Worley. That's Trey Corley of the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's... Ah, very good crowd here tonight. We're so excited to have you. I got to tell you that my hero of the week is Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr. Now, why? Because he seems to be one of the few Republicans who understand that if your opponent is playing tackle football, you best not pretend that you can compete and win by playing fantasy football in your recliner, okay? Here's what happened. Attorney General Carr saw that Fulton County Prosecutor Fannie Willis, the politically motivated official who is the daughter of a former Black Panther, filed RICO charges against 19 people, including Donald Trump. Now, that means she had to contend that there was a conspiracy and racketeering with these 19 people. So Attorney General Chris Carr pretty much said, hold my Bud Light and watch this. And he filed RICO charges this week against some real insurrectionists, 61 leftists who sought to stop construction on an Atlanta police training center by doing terroristic acts and some for interstate money laundering to finance their criminal activities. The hilarious reaction by some Democrats who can't believe that Carr would invoke RICO charges on the Antifa anarchists is the very definition of both irony and hypocrisy. Folks, what Carr is doing is the only way to bring back equal justice in this country. Since we cannot count on the courts to be objective and just, and since our so-called Justice Department has become the personal toy chest of the Biden administration, and the FBI has sold its soul to the agenda of the Merrick Garland goose-stepping goon squad of the federal government. We're no longer able to play a paper chase game with court filings and congressional hearings. If a former president and anyone who ever talked on the phone with him or had a photo made with him are going to be subject to criminal prosecution, then like it or not, we're now playing a different game with different rules. Play a different and more gentle game and plan on being destroyed as surely as a ping pong player would be destroyed by an NFL veteran who plans on body slamming his opponent right into the turf. I will not pretend that it will be pretty or polite. I won't. It will not be for the faint of heart. But when my wife and I attended a bullfight in Spain, 
Be honest, we weren't expecting something that you would take a five-year-old to watch. It was shockingly brutal and bloody. It's frankly not a sport I'd get a season ticket for. But boy, it was eye-opening. Because it was an event about a process that is a part of the culture of Spain, whether more squeamish people understand it or not. By the way, I don't think a member of PETA would enjoy it at all. Pretty sure. Heck, I didn't enjoy it that much myself. But in the ring, it's a kill or be killed kind of activity. It just is. Either the matador or the bull survives. Both don't. What we're confronting in America is a vicious betrayal of the principles of equal justice under the law, fair and honest elections, and a media that simply calls balls and strikes with a blind eye to which team is at bat. And it's why Republicans like James Comer, chair of the House Oversight Committee, Jim Jordan, chair of the House Judiciary Committee, and Jason Smith, the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, can't simply hope that their colleagues across the aisle will join them in demanding accountability for Joe Biden and his family, having set up over 20 phony companies through which at least $30 million of foreign money flowed like the Mississippi River at flood stage, and on which taxes were not paid. So much for the fair share that Biden preaches all the time for the rest of us. I don't know if you remember this, but Sean Connery said it best in the classic movie, The Untouchables, when talking about bringing down Al Capone. Watch. If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. Want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. And that's how you get Capone. That's the Chicago way. Hey, look, I wish we were playing a nice, polite game of checkers. But the Democrats have eliminated that possibility. We're playing tackle. And if we want to restore true justice and respect of law, we have to be prepared to do it the Chicago way. Twenty years ago, in response to the global AIDS epidemic, President George W. Bush launched the president's emergency plan for AIDS relief. It's called PEPFAR. Initially designed as a short-term emergency program, it's since become a symbol of the bipartisan commitment to fight AIDS all over the world. But it's come under scrutiny recently. Some say the Biden administration has misused the program to promote its extreme position on abortion. My first guest tonight has served constituents in his home state of New Jersey for more than 40 years in the U.S. Congress. He's one of the most consistent and effective voices and votes for the pro-life cause in all of Congress. Chris Smith joins us for the first time in Nashville tonight. Would you please give a big welcome to Congressman Chris Smith. So very glad to have you here. I've admired you for a long time because there's nobody in Congress that has been clear, more consistent, and more courageous when it comes to the issue of standing for life. And I thank you for that. And I think people across America, if they knew how much you have done for the life cause, would give you a standing ovation thank for you. your great service to this country. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Governor, let me say to you, 
you have been an inspiration for so many of us as a governor, uh, as a father of a governor, and all the great work you have done this show. Uh, it has been the contributions you have made to the sanctity of life, to, to moral principle, to our faith. Uh, is is tremendous and, and unmatched. So well, I, thank you for that. Governor. You're very kind. PEPFAR started as a as a wonderful program, and it was bipartisan. Yes. Uh, maybe I should say it was nonpartisan because it had nothing to do with ideology. Millions of people were dying in Africa of AIDS, children mostly, and it was epidemic. And to his credit, President George W. Bush created the PEPFAR program. It had widespread support over both parties, both houses of Congress. And it has saved millions of lives. It is coming up for reauthorization. And with it is a controversy that has not been a part of PEPFAR since its inception 25 years ago. I was one of the sponsors of PEPFAR in 2003. I was the prime author of the reauthorization uh, five years ago. And unfortunately, under President... So I'm all for PEPFAR. Sure. But under President Biden, uh, he and his administration has hijacked... Uh, PEPFAR, and has now turned it into the largest pro-abortion promoting organization. There's no other fund in the United States government or anywhere in the world that provides $6.7 billion per year, over $100 billion over since its inception, um, to global health. So what they have done is now they've said, we're going we're to integrate abortion promotion and performance with PEPFAR. That's not what we signed up for. There's been no. 375,000 health, uh, 325,000 healthcare workers who have been trained, uh, and, and now they're going to be used to give out abortion pills. Uh, that is unconscionable. We have in the president's memos where he has said and advised the recipients, all these big groups, uh, many of which are big abortion, mm -hmm. uh, to change laws in other countries particularly in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, they want PEPFAR money to be focused on mitigating the problem of HIV AIDS, mother-to-child transmission, yeah. uh, which it has done very well. But now there's been a radical extremist reversal of that by overlaying the entire abortion agenda. And it can coincides with what the United Nations is doing. The World Health Organization and every one of them, uh, every agency over there, UNFPA, every one of them, are promoting this idea of integrating abortion with HIV AIDS work. Well, what's so tragic is that something that is saving so many lives that is not political, not partisan, not ideological, um, could end up virtually being destroyed because some people want to turn it into a vehicle for abortion funding. Right. Is there a way to fix this before <clears throat> well, it happens? Can, I, it, I can went, it be repaired? You know, WHO was supposed to be focused on infectious diseases. Mm -hmm. There were many in the pro-abortion movement, if not all, who believed that a pregnancy is a disease to be vanquished, like, a, like some other sickness uh, to be done away with. It's a baby. It's, it's not a choice. It's a baby. Yeah. It's not a disease. It's a baby. And we have, and I've been in the pro-life movement for 50 years. It is the pro-life movement and the churches that reach out to the women who have been broken by abortion uh, and say, we love you. You need reconciliation and the love of our Lord, uh, and we're here for you. Well, I want to continue this conversation because people are going to be hearing about PEPFAR. Like you, I have been so supportive because it has been a great way to save lives around the globe. And I would hate to see 
a very small number of people hijack it. So as I said, we're not through with the congressman just yet. So please don't go away. We will be right back with much more. Stay with us. Coming up, George Jones' widow Nancy talks about her life with the possum. And later, Eric Robertson tells his 9-11 story from his ground zero search and rescue team. Don't go away. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow And welcome back. We have the privilege tonight of visiting with Congressman Chris Smith of New Jersey, a pro-life champion. And we've been talking about PEPFAR, uh, how it saved lives. And the question that I posed to you before can we fix this? Can we do it? But it seems like there's an overwhelming uh, push on the part, not just in the Biden administration, but with other governments, and particularly in Europe. Yeah. They want to change this so that it becomes um, really unrestricted abortion. And I've read the language, and what really is disturbing, it's not like abortion for the first three months. This is abortion on demand, made strictly by the woman, and... It can be at any point of the gestation. That's right. The actual language, which means you could have a late-term abortion minutes before natural birth, and it would be considered health care. You know, it comports and coincides with exactly what the Democrats tried to do in the House last Congress. They had a bill that would allow for abortion on demand till birth. Yeah. And would have eviscerated every single modest protection like waiting periods, parental notification statutes, uh, women's right to know, you know, which is uh, informed consent. Well, if you look at the WHO's admonishment to countries, model legislation, it is like you just said, no gestational age, right to birth, just like the Democrats pushed in the last Congress. And if they take over again, that will become the law of our land. In my own state, my governor signed legislation, abortion right into the ninth month and right to birth. And that's what they want for the entire world, government subsidized and paid for, and, and even conscience protections the World Health Organization has a whole thing saying there are no conscience protections. Which means a nurse, for example, would have who says, look, I, I am a very devout believer. That's right. And I cannot in good faith participate in this. She would not have, a, or he would not have protection. Exactly. And they would have to either perform the abortion, assist in it, or lose their jobs. That's exactly it. And, you know, we have good conscience protection here. But during the Obama administration, and we had meeting after meeting with the top people in implementing it, they didn't implement it. So you had nurses, you had all these people, including hospitals, being told, you do it or you lose. You don't get funds. Uh, and if you're a worker or somebody working yeah. in, in healthcare, you end up losing your job. It was, it was total non-enforcement. 
But that's part of the narrative that the WHO and this administration, the Biden administration, is all about, and, no conscious protection. You know, Congressman, one thing, I mean, a lot of us are looking at this and saying, you know, it's one thing for America to help people around the world. And we should. We, we certainly should. But what we're now being asked to do is surrender American sovereignty right. to this globalist network at the WHO to give up our basic decisions to this organization, which means it's not just PEPFAR. It will be the next COVID outbreak. Exactly. It will be mask and forced vaccines. There's no limit. And it's all the government telling us what we have and have to do and what we cannot. You're about the only one who has really raised this and I wish more would. Um, There's a pandemic treaty that's being considered by the World Health Organization and by the UN. And that would take away a lot of our sovereignty. It's not clear exactly how far that will go. But they also have, again, just like with PEPFAR and this administration, uh, incorporated the idea of abortion and universal health care. There was a thing called the call to action in 2018. WHO and the UN Population Fund jointly issued it. And all of the signers, they have their, their logos at the bottom, are like the who's who of PEPFAR recipients, getting our billions of dollars. You know, $6.7 billion is a lot of money. Uh, not all of it goes yeah. to the NGOs, but a great deal of it does. And they, they are unfettered in their ability to go out there and, and, again, overlay with the good work of PEPFAR, hijack it, and then promote this idea that children are worthless and could be killed at will right up until birth. You know, before we finish, I, I want to also talk about the fact that we're coming to another budget showdown. Yes. Um, you know, there's good possibility we could see a government shutdown. And, and you know, quite frankly, there are times that I'm, I, I don't want to see that because it's messy. A lot of people end up not doing well under that. But there are times I want to just say, you know, if, if there's not going to be any room to seriously negotiate, is that the worst thing that can happen? Or is it that we continue to surrender to people who really do not have America's best interests at heart? Great question again. You know, one of my concerns with PEPFAR, there are people, even some very well-meaning people, who want a five-year reauthorization so it would be legal for the next five years, rather than doing it one year only and fighting to get this Mexico City policy into it. And hopefully the next president will be a Republican and then then can, again, promulgate that very important pro-life policy. Um, They think that that would be a gift to Biden um, because he would be able to do all kinds of contracting, multi-year contracting, so that when a new Republican comes in, he or she... They try to do Mexico City. Hmm. Uh, they'll be told, wait, you can't change the terms and conditions of that pre-existing contract. They can try. Uh, by, uh, uh, even Trump wouldn't do it. He, he started with any new money when he became president. Uh, any existing multi-year contract that had only been allocated, he did not touch. So we could see all these organizations getting money hand over the fist, um, and, and very little could be done by the next president uh, to rein in on it. Remember, 2030 is when they want to have unfettered access to abortion globally. That's the UN. uh, It's called the the Sustainable Development Goals, Agenda 2030. Uh, And they're now surging like never before to get it. I do believe there will be a continuation of PEPFAR Mm -hmm. into next year. But why are we going to give Biden, who is the abortion president, five years, particularly if he wins, I want to fight this every single year for the sake of the babies. Otherwise, we're going to see whole countries lose their policies and become just like 
unfortunately, we were during Roe versus Wade. Congressman, I hope you continue. I don't have any doubt that you will continue. You've been at it 50 years. You're not going to stop now. But thank you. Thank you on behalf of every American that cares about the sanctity of human life. We need you to continue that great battle. And for our audience, we've got links to the congressman. They're all in one place for you. If you go to Huckabee.tv, we will connect you to Congressman Chris Smith and the work he's doing for life. Keith Bilbrey, you're standing over there all by yourself. You've got a big old notebook of stuff to tell us about. Tell us what's coming up next. Oh, I sure do. After the break, George Jones widow, Nancy Jones, and biographer Ken Abraham are talking possum. And later, my friend Darrell Orley is here to sing his new song, Have We Forgotten? Don't go away. Welcome back. Record producer James Stroud right here in Nashville once told me that if a hundred great artists all sang the same song and George Jones was one of them, it's the George Jones version of the song that you would remember. He's 100% right. I absolutely agree. There has never been ever a country music voice like George Jones. Well, tonight, we meet the hero of the George Jones legacy, his widow, Nancy Jones. And joining her is Ken Abraham, a New York Times bestselling author who has collaborated with many top celebrities on their memoirs, including Chuck Norris, Buzz Aldrin, George Foreman, and many, many more. He recently teamed with Nancy Jones to write an intimate portrait of her life with her husband of over 30 years, country legend George Jones. It's being released this week, September the 12th. You'll want to get a copy. Please welcome the authors of Playing Possum, My Memories of George Jones, Nancy Jones, and Ken Abraham. Great having you back. Nancy, most people who know the story already know that you're credited with saving George's life and giving us that last chapter of his music and his legacy. Wasn't all easy, was it? No, and <laughs> September the 12th is his birthday. That's why the book's coming out September the right, 12th. Right, right. Well, no, there wasn't nothing easy about any of it. Uh, but uh, I felt like that uh, George's fans, you know, there's so many stories of George Jones. I, Some true, some not true. My God, the guy was a handful, but um, I... <laughs> That's being charitable, Nancy, I think, <laughs> by, by every standard. I thought it was time to come out with the truth. And I just wanted to tell the truth of George and his uh, my life with him. We were together 32 years, married 30 years, and who else would know George any better than I would? I heard him sing the song, and it's one of the reasons I mentioned that about James Stroud. When he sang Amazing Grace, I've heard that song a thousand times, heard, sung by some of the greatest voices. There'll never be another version of it that will work for me than that of George Jones. And it was because, Nancy, he sang it as if it came right out of the depths of his bones. 
Was that really the transition and transformation of George? George was raised Pentecostal. His mother and really just taught him about the good Lord. And the demons kind of got into George. And at first I was like, okay, we got one out. And then all of a sudden there was another one and another one and another one. So I just felt like that, you know, as long as you would talk to George about God and you would talk to George about his mother, that was whenever you could get to George. Mm. And that was whenever he would calm down and listen. And it's like, well, tell me some more about Jesus. Tell me some more. Hmm. So those are the things that I have in this book that a lot of people do not know that George was very spiritual. And he wanted, he wanted all of these demons gone. But, you know, it's just hard. It was hard to do it on his own. And I know there were many stops and starts along that pathway. And I'm sure there were times... Did you ever just want to say, that's it, I'm done, I can't, I can't keep doing this? Well, I think at the end, and before he hit that bridge, he kept saying, if you would just give me some time here, I think I can do it. I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. And that was in 1999. Hmm. So I've heard it so many times that I was like, yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. But as far as giving up, no, I never gave up. I mean, I, that's not what I think that God put me on this earth for. I, I, If you read the book, I had a very troubled, hard childhood. I uh, was abusive, and my mother was. And by the time that um, I used to sit and think, why? But then I realized God started on me very early. And that was... Uh, to be able to cope with George and to get uh, those demons out and, and, and learn to be the wife that I wanted to be, but I had to get him to be the husband I wanted him to be. <laughs> so it, it was hard. And I have to say, I cried a lot writing this book and wondering, oh, my, how, how bad are the fans are going to beat me up on some of the things I said because I did not sugarcoat it. You know, Ken, you've written books with so many people that we've mentioned a few, but there are dozens of others. You have such a reputation. When you first got contacted about working with Nancy on this book about George, was your reaction one of, oh boy, I can't wait to do it, or oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to do it? (laughs) A little bit of both, actually. There was a a lot that I didn't know about Nancy. I didn't know, for example, the abuse that she had gone through Mm. with George and and just how she just would not give up. Even Even though she had every reason to walk away from that marriage, she would not do it. She stayed in there and fought for, for George because she loved him. I knew, I knew that George had a drinking problem. I didn't know that George had a cocaine problem. Mm. Many people in Nashville did. I did not know that. So I was learning a lot. But the other part of it was I learned so much about the fun George, the, the George that had that sense of humor, that twinkle in his eye, the guy who, you know, he was so funny. He didn't even know how funny he was, but Nancy did. And yeah. she started telling me some of those stories. We just had a great time putting this together. I think the fans are going to love this book. I have no doubt. And I don't know of anybody that isn't a George Jones fan. If they're not, they just don't love good country music. There you go. <laughs> but, you know, when I think about all the things that you've been through, you're leaving us the story that we need to know and a story of a man who also invested in young artists and cared about them. He could have said, no, you know, that's 
their problem. I, I don't want to take anything away from my own legacy. He made such an effort to reach out to these young artists and encourage them and help them and advise them. Nancy, it's a, it's a phenomenal story. This better become a movie. It just has to it be a great be, yeah. movie. It sure could. Because there's just very few people that have ever impacted the music world like your husband. May I just say on behalf of all George Jones fans, of which I am one, thank you for giving us the extra years of George Jones' life and career that we would not have had had you not been faithful in helping him chase out those demons. Thank you, and God you. bless you for that, Nancy. Thank you. If you head to Huckabee.tv, we'll have links so that you can pre-order this wonderful book, Playing Possum. You can also get tickets to an all-star concert movie, Still Playing Possum. It's going to be in theaters October the 17th. Now, Keith Bilberg and I were there when it happened in Huntsville, Alabama, and it was taped. It's a magnificent array of 32 artists. You do not want to miss that. Coming to theaters October 17th, we've got information on the website as well. Speaking of Keith Bilberg, we're going to ask him, please stop playing possum over there and tell us what's coming up next on the show, Keith. Oh, well, the race is on, Governor. Up next, Dr. Omar Hamada is here to set the record straight on pro-life misinformation. Now, he would know he's delivered over 2,500 babies. You're watching Huckabee. just get to hear little snippets, but the studio audience gets to hear a whole lot more of some of the greatest music in America and certainly some of the top music in all of Nashville, which is a mouthful to say because there's a lot of good music in Nashville. But it doesn't get any better than with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Give them a big hand. A prominent OBGYN organization says they want unlimited access to abortion and that pro-life advocates are promoting misinformation on the subject. Joining us tonight, one of the strongest pro-life advocates who just happens to be an OBGYN himself, a decorated Army Special Forces veteran who served as a flight surgeon and diving medical officer and retired as a lieutenant colonel. Please welcome back to the show. He's obviously one of our favorites because we just keep inviting him back, Dr. Omar Hamada. Dr. Hamada, great to have you back. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I was somewhat surprised with the, really a fairly radical statement that came out by the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists that they basically are advocating for unrestricted Abortion. These are people who are supposed to deliver babies, not take them out. Exactly. It is very shocking, uh, especially for those of us who have trained as obstetricians and gynecologists and belong to that organization. Um, ever since early medical school training, we learned that we have two patients, the baby and the mother. Yeah. And now that baby is in mortal danger uh, throughout the entirety of pregnancy if they would have their way and say... Why has it come to this? Is it a political thing? Is it 
scientific enlightenment, where have we ended up here? You know, I've asked myself that question, not just for this issue, but for so many issues that we're struggling with today in America. And I think it's just a a difference of worldviews that are no longer even just divergent, but are in complete opposition to one another. So at the very base, I think it's spiritual warfare. I think Mm. it's life versus a culture of death. I know that you are unapologetic as a Christian believer. You have strong convictions about that. And I'm making an assumption that some of your convictions about life and your profession as an obstetrician come from that you believe that everyone is gloriously and fearfully made by God. That's a good assumption. And it's based in science as well. I mean, some of the things that we see that ACOG is doing now, they're trying to redefine what words mean. They're trying to limit the use of certain words to really push a certain agenda, even telling us that things like late term doesn't make sense when it does, that there's no such thing as a heartbeat until the heart is fully formed in an adult fashion, essentially, at 17 or 18 weeks. But, I mean, heartbeat, a heart is even a clump of cells that is pumping in rhythmic synchronous contraction to move blood forward. That's a heart. Um, So, and we know that that occurs at six weeks of gestation or four weeks from conception. And that's why it's so difficult for us to watch this. And the language has become reproductive health. There's nothing healthy that's going on, especially for the baby, but here's the part we don't ever hear. There's risk to the mother. So, Why don't we ever hear about risk to the mother in going through a surgical procedure that is not natural? It is an unnatural surgical procedure to take a baby out of the womb for the sole purpose of killing it. Now they're trying to say that there is no risk, that it's a very safe procedure, that it's not surgery, and that that isn't a baby, when all those things are false. Um, So we, we see that there's a certain agenda that's being promulgated. Even this whole thing with Dobbs. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a very rational, reasonable compromise in a secular pluralistic society of 15 weeks. And even liberal Europe min, uh, limits it to 10 to 12 weeks in most European countries. But 15 weeks wasn't good enough. They wanted full access all the way to full 40-week term. And that's why Dobbs went to the Supreme Court, and that's why Roe v. Wade got overturned. The next big health care debate in this country looks like it's going to be COVID all over again. And there's hints that there will be pressure to put a mask mandate back on us. What should we do? What should we say to this? If the government comes back and says, you can't go into a store, you can't go on an airplane unless you wear a mask. Resist. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, good. I'm going to tell them, my doctor told me to resist. That's right. Well, we know masks don't really work. They're not very effective for those who are receptive. If you're sick... Of course, they help catch some of the larger uh, molecules. But we also know that for decades, coronavirus that's responsible for COVID has been responsible for 30% of the common cold. Um, A weaponized virus escaped and caused the pandemic. Uh, Now that has transformed more towards wild type virus. So what we're seeing now is primarily little more than the common cold again. So, you know, it, it shouldn't scare people to death. Not at all. And, uh, you know, the vaccines were pushed, and many of us thought, oh, that's going to be helpful. But they didn't tell us the truth. They said, we wouldn't get COVID if you took the vaccine. Everybody got COVID anyway. Exactly. And now they're saying you're vaccinated, you're more susceptible to catch the new strains of COVID. Which is really bizarre and very disturbing. So, you know, as my gynecologist, I'm just going to ask you, (laughs) should I get this next shot? 
I know it shocks you, but I identify as one of his patients right now, so it's perfectly good. So did my special forces guys. You know, that was a big joke. I bet that was. That was. There's a reason we keep having you back. We love having you. You make a lot of sense, and we are look you. forward to your next time with us. Dr. Hamada, thank you for coming. Thank you. Great to have you here. Keep up with Dr. Hamada on social media. You can follow the links that we've got for you on our website, Huckabee.tv. We'll be right back. Here's Keith. Well, after the break, we remember 9-11 with search and rescue responder Eric Robertson. And later, Dara Worley has a new follow-up anthem to have you forgotten. It's all ahead on Huckabee. TV and get your very own Made in the USA Huckabee mugs, t-shirts, and more. Well, Monday marks the 22nd anniversary of the September 11 attacks, the deadliest assault on our homeland in U.S. history. There's now an entire generation of young adults who weren't even alive when 9-11 happened. It's hard to believe that. And it's said that those who can't remember the past are doomed to repeat it. My next guest is determined that we all better remember 9-11 so we never repeat it. Please welcome the founder of the 9-11 Remembered Traveling Memorial, Eric Robertson. Eric, great to have you here. Thank you very much. This is deeply personal for you because you were a part of the search and rescue mission mm -hmm. at Ground Zero with your dog, Porkchop. How did you get involved? Were you summoned there at that time? What was the genesis? I, just like everybody else in America, I walked into work that morning and saw 9-11 happening on TV. I was working in an emergency room that day. Mm. And uh, at the bottom of the screen, there was a crawl that said, 1-800-WE-NEED-HELP, call us. I ran to my office. My shoes came off. <laughs> I ran so fast. I got to my office. I called that number. I got through on the very first phone call. And they said, we need you. We need your dog. Get here as soon as you can. There was no flights at the time. So I grabbed another uh, firefighter that I had worked with, and we started co-driving nonstop. Uh, got there. 9-11 was on a Tuesday. We got there on Thursday. And I was assigned to NYPD K-9, and mm. I remained there for nearly two months with my dog doing uh, body recovery. I can't even begin to grasp the emotional roller coaster of being there and going through the rubble and finding the remains of people who had just gone to work one morning and never got to tell their families goodbye. The dogs were the heroes, uh, the unsung heroes. Um, they were instrumental in the recovery effort uh, because of all of that dust and debris and smoke that you saw is everything was just covered with that and the dogs were so crucial in the in the role of helping us bring uh these victims home to their families and, you've and got many a, were never recovered and, and you've got a vision that you're doing now the traveling 9-11 memorial yes so it's it's a a way not everybody can get to New York and see the 9-11 memorial. It's, it's powerful and life-changing to see it, but so many people can't. So you're bringing a piece of that to them. 
right? We have created an incredible exhibition. It's four full-size semi-trucks that open up double-wide expandable, 1,200 square foot each. It's a replica of the reflecting pools and the museum in New York City. And our goal, um, after years of lecturing across the United States and talking about 9-11, 90% of the people that I've spoken to said they would never make it to see that incredible memorial. So we have created something that if 90% of America can't see it, we will bring this to 100% of America for free. What a beautiful tribute to yes. the people who perished that day uh, so that their memory is not forgotten. Yes. Now, how do people get this traveling memorial booked to come to their community or to, to their campus? So. There's 1,400 created registered memorials across the United States that were made with pieces of the World Trade Center. That's the footprint of the tour. Hmm. Anybody can go on our website and register their city. You don't have to have a 9-11 memorial. You just simply have to go to the website and register your city. And this is the point in our project where we're looking for uh, the public to now become involved in this because it's a pay-it-forward kind of deal where once we're on the road and once we come to your city, we know that everybody will want the next city to see this and this yeah. unbelievable, the largest exhibition like this in history that will be on the road for several years to come. And Eric, you've got a few pieces mm -hmm. of the traveling exhibit here. Tell us what we have out on the stage. The concrete piece in front is um, a piece of concrete from the foundation of the World Trade Center. It came from a section known as the slurry wall, which was a massive concrete wall under the World Trade Center that kept the Hudson River out of the subway system in the basement of the World Trade Center. The fire helmet um, is an example of just some of the types of memorials that were created. Um, that was made by uh, a fire chief, Tim Holmes, uh, uh, Nashville Metro Fire, and it's signed by one of the seven surviving firefighters who was caught twice in the collapse of the mm -hmm. towers, uh, Lieutenant Joe Torrio, uh, the canine helmet is actually the uniform that I wore uh, during my search effort and uh, a, a picture of my dog Porkchop and his collar. Uh, Porkchop lived a full life after 9-11. Uh, he was 14 years old when he passed, but he was uh, an unbelievable uh, workforce down there. I, I can't wait to see it come to my community and all across the country. You can support the mission of the 9-11 Remembered Traveling Memorial. You can invite it to visit your town. If you go to Huckabee.tv, we have a direct link so that you can get registered on Eric's website and hopefully bring this traveling memorial to your community. Keith Bilbrey is going to tell us what we still have in store for the rest of the show. What an amazing story, Governor. Up next, my old friend Daryl Worley joins us, and I'm pretty sure he brought his guitar. Woo-hoo! Don't go away. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo joins us and a country music redemption song from newcomer Harbor Grace. Daryl Worley's traditional country sound has brought him a long list of hits, including Second Wind and I Love My Friends. 
His tours to the Middle East to entertain our troops inspired the 9-11 tribute, Have You Forgotten? It spent seven weeks at number one. His latest release is a timely update called Have We Forgotten? Please give a very warm welcome to a dear friend, Daryl Worley. <laughs> Daryl, I... You know, I remember that song. It had such a huge impact on this country. And it was very powerful. It's why it stayed at the top of the charge for seven weeks. You've revisited the song, but more importantly, you revisited that sense of patriotism that America felt then. What's, what's the heart of the, the revised version of the song? Uh, I think it's probably sum it up in one word. It's, it's about unity, mm. you know, and, and when Wynn and I, my co-writer sat down to do this, it was, uh, it, it was just such an honest thing. It was, it was, it actually was an our idea. A friend of mm. mine, uh, Noah Gordon came and said, you should do this. And, uh, and he even said, it should be called, have we forgotten and sort of sold it to me. And I, I went and talked to Wynn and, you know, we kind of looked at each other and said, how could we not at least give it a shot? Yeah. Because if it made a difference, uh, it could be huge, you know. And we, it wasn't about trying to have another big hit like Have You Forgotten. It was about we love this country. Yeah. And, and we, we truly believe that the, the division could be the thing that has weakened us the most and it will continue to. Uh, but I got to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a bit amazed by the indifference. What a shame. And I, I personally believe that it's, just where we are. And, but it's, it's such a powerful song, and I'm hoping that people will, will listen to it, embrace it, download it, put it in their system, and listen to it over and again, because especially this week when we're reliving yes. this horrific thing that happened in America, to ask ourselves, have we forgotten? Well, one thing I also want to bring up, you have a big show coming up during the Christmas season, November the 23rd through December the 25th, Daryl Worley and Friends home for the holidays dinner show at Opryland Resort. That's going to be a big deal. It is. I mean, yeah. you're performing like every night, right? Yeah, it's, it goes from like Thanksgiving today through Christmas, and we actually play a show on Christmas evening. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I was, I, you know, I was blown, set completely back in my seat when they told us we had gotten that because the Oaks were there for the last two yeah. years. And, and we, we got it for the next two years, and I'm super excited. Um, for me, it's, I, you know, I wanted to send Gaylord a message about how appreciative I, I am. And I thought this, I thought, you know, uh, we didn't have a, a lot of excess growing up. We just had our necessities. But my parents always made Christmas a big deal because it was not just the, the, the gift giving and all that, but it was the spiritual part of Christmas. And... Uh, I said, Gaylord's given me an opportunity to bring that Christmas spirit to the hotel and share it with people from all over the globe. What a beautiful so, thing. Yeah. I, I hope it sells out every night. So it's, do we. I mean, you've got some f phenomenal people coming. Lori Morgan, the Isaacs, uh, Billy Dean, Dina Carter. A lot of the people have been here yeah. on our show that we love. And uh, I just hope people will get their tickets. And Keith, we're going to get ready to perform. But why don't you tell <laughs> the viewers how they can get Daryl's music and how they can get tickets to the Opryland Christmas show, because I predict they're going to sell out fast. Well, just go to Huckabee.tv to connect with Daryl and get all his music and to reserve your tickets to Daryl Worley and Friends, home for the holidays at the Gaylord Opryland Resort. And don't forget that military discount. Now, performing his new song, 
have we forgotten with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection and Mike on bass, here's Daryl Worley! Best days are gone. People want united, can't even get along. A nation so divided, a country torn in two. It's such a shame after all that we've been through. We've always been a beacon, the world's one shining light. Are we gonna let? is right Seems like all we ever do is fuss and fight I ain't pointing fingers I'm guilty too But how much more of this can we go through The whole wide world is watching while we go round and round We need to come together Have we forgotten? Have we forgotten? 